The reading this morning is from Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Saviour. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O you gates, be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates, lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty, he is the King of glory. Good, a huge thank you to everyone who's taken part this morning and those who are still to contribute, very grateful indeed. Uh, just one or two things before I bring God's word. The, we spoke quite a bit last time, uh, last week, about some of the courses that are happening at the moment, the Moving On course for encouraging and supporting those who have recently been through a time of separation, started on Monday, the next session tomorrow, so not too late to come in on to that one, and uh, more particularly the bereavement journey starting tomorrow, and again, if you know of anyone for whom that would be particularly appropriate, there are some more flyers uh, just on the stage beside me here. So the theme for this morning is asking the question, whose world? And particularly from the psalm that we read just now, Psalm 24 and verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Uh, that's a psalm where we often focus on the later part of the psalm, which is uh, tremendous and it's very profound, but sometimes we skip just that opening line. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Do we really believe this morning that the earth belongs to God and everything is truly his? And if we do, then it's going to make a huge difference to how we look after the world that God has made. The biblical writers had a very strong sense about the ordering of God's creation. Right back, of course, in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then the story of creation unfolds, and all those different elements of creation are listed as the days go through. Psalm 104 captures that story of creation in such a beautiful, poetic way. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my being, praise his holy name. And then it goes into the third person. He sets the earth on its foundation. He waters the mountains. He makes the grass to grow. The earth is full of your creatures. Psalm 65, you care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. You crown the year with your bounty. Your carts overflow with goodness. It's not just the odd verse here or there. Deeply embedded 
within the whole of Scripture is this wonderful sense that the earth is the Lord's. He made it. Nature is designed to work in harmony. Land and water, earth and sky, humans and animals all have their part to play in the natural order of things. And all are held together by our creator God, who is happy with the world that he's made, who sustains the universe, who brings us the blessings of harvest year after year, but whose heart is broken at the way we have treated this world that he has made. And so we have a problem. Let me address the problem just for a few moments. That we as human beings have massively damaged this world that God has created. Genesis 2 and verse 15, uh, verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. What have we done? Rather than taking care of the earth, the way that we live, the way that we work, and the way that we consume has pushed creation to breaking point. And of course, there are many aspects to that which we're very familiar with and I don't need to elaborate this morning. There is the plastic pollution, the huge damage of plastic waste in the sea and elsewhere and its consequences across the world. There are those species that are going extinct because the balance of creation is being shifted and significant parts of God's creation are no longer there to bring their distinctive contribution to the ecological balance. And more particularly, more recently, obviously, a lot of attention on climate crisis, bringing about more drought and floods and storms, and that huge impact of global warming, especially on the most vulnerable elements of God's creation. We have damaged this beautiful world that belongs to God and is a gift from God. And we ourselves only feel that damage just a little in Burkina Faso and in many similar places, there are millions and millions of people who feel it hugely. Many of our global neighbors have empty harvest baskets this year. In 2016, world hunger started to increase for the first time in a decade and has continued to increase ever since. That's some measurement on that proportion of the global population who would be considered to be hungry. And whilst that was decreasing now, it is increasing. You may recall the slogan from some years ago, make poverty history. One recent author has coined the phrase that climate change will make poverty permanent. The earth is the Lord's. He's allowed us as human beings the privilege of being stewards of his creation and together we have messed that up. That is the problem. So, of course, alongside that problem there is a real opportunity just at this moment in time. It's not too late. Time is indeed short, but among us now there is a great opportunity for change. And isn't it interesting how the voices of, of the young people in that video from Tear Fund and Youthscape were saying, let's hear this from the church. Let's not just hear it from the environmentalists. Let's not just hear it from the politicians. Let's hear it from the Christians among us. Calling the church to join in the political and environmental movement to limit climate change through such vital measures. And as you know, 
from the 1st to the 12th of November, the UK is hosting the COP26 summit in Glasgow. And it has its title because it is the 26th summit of the United Nations to accelerate action towards the goals already set by the Convention on Climate Change. Does it really take 26 summits for anything to happen, you might wonder? And is this going to be just another time of talking? We trust and pray that that is not the case. And that with a focus on reducing carbon emissions, protecting and restoring natural habitats across the world, and dramatically reviewing lifestyles and industry, there will be a profound and a significant change. Now, how our own governments choose to rebuild after the COVID pandemic will not only shape our own economies, but also hugely influence other nations as we host these talks. And of course, many of you will have tuned into the Global Citizen Live 24-hour concert. Uh, we caught just snippets of it last night, as I'm sure many of you did, from Paris and London and New York, Los Angeles, Seoul and wherever. Uh, the cities across the world that were joining together uh, to deliver this most amazing concert for 24 hours. And uh, not raising money, but raising the profile and raising and drawing attention to the need for something very significant to happen. We spoke earlier about Tier Fund's Climate Coalition Declaration. I encourage you to sign that as soon as possible if you were not able to uh, when I was talking about it just now. And uh, we'll put the details of that again in next week's news sheet just in case uh, you need it there. We're raising funds this year for Harvest for Tier Fund, but there are many other charities, obviously, who are working in a similar way and donations to all charitable organizations who are seeking to support the most vulnerable across the world is a vital part of our response today. But you can make a difference too and I can make a difference in the way that we live. And you've heard this before and I don't want to dwell on it too much. But just of course to touch on those changes in our own lifestyles which will make a difference and will be part of our Christian response to recognize that the earth is the Lord's and it belongs to him. And so we need to choose a green energy supplier, even if it costs us a little bit more money. We need to check where our meat has been sourced, and if possible, buy local. And uh, where appropriate, reduce our meat intake as one of those foods that are particularly intense on the uh, amount of resources that they need. To reuse items wherever possible to buy fair trade goods as much as possible, and to limit our travel. Inevitably, you would expect me to advocate cycling to get around. It uh, doesn't burn any carbon emissions. But there are other ways, too, that you can adjust your lifestyle and your transport, not least in the harnessing of a wider use of Zoom and other internet platforms that we've become used to over recent times. There are things that we can do to act differently, to live differently, and to live out our belief that the earth belongs to God. So there is a problem, and we all recognize that. There is an opportunity for us to make a change through our campaigning, through our donating, through the lifestyle that we adopt. But there is something more to say, and that is about restoration. Because there is another response, another dimension 
to our response in climate change today? What does the church say which is distinctive from what the politicians and the environmental campaigners say? What is distinctively Christian that we offer into this very important arena at the present time? We not only believe in God's creation, that this earth belongs to the Lord, but we also believe in the new creation, we see life from its very beginning to its end. We see life from Genesis to Revelation, from the Garden of Eden and the water of life to the water of life that is flowing from the city of the New Jerusalem. We believe that the God who created this world will one day bring it to completion, reconciling all things to himself. Now, none of us knows how that's going to happen. We may have different understandings of how things will work out in the end of time, but we do believe that God himself will bring this world to a great and glorious completion. And meanwhile, as we read in Romans 8, verse 22, we see the whole of creation groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. But with the promise that one day, the whole of creation will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. These are not my words. These are the words of Scripture. This is the different dimension that we can bring to the environmental debate that the world, the world is the Lord's, that he set it in its foundation at the beginning of time, that he will bring it to glorious conclusion at the end of time. And there is no way that we as Christian people can look at the world today and just leave it to fall apart when this earth belongs to God. And he made it and he will redeem it. And he loves every single person within it today. We cannot let the world get worse. We cannot let the most vulnerable people suffer more and more. We cannot ignore the mess for which we are partly responsible. The earth is the Lord's. And part of our mission today is to care for the world that God has made and to pray for its full and complete restoration. For a number of years, in certainly in some areas of the Christian church, there has been a repeated use of what is sometimes called the five marks of mission. It was started um, some 30, 40 years ago amongst the Anglican churches, but many other uh, Christian groupings have seen the value of the breadth that is, in, is, is kind of gathered within this statement. Uh, the words used vary slightly, but uh, one easy to remember element of it is that the first mark is the sharing of the good news. The second is nurturing followers of Jesus. The third is seeking justice and reconciliation. The fourth is offering loving service. And the fifth is caring for creation. Five marks of mission. Not just one mark of mission. Five marks of mission. And they are all important. They are all important. And if we are to respond in fullness to all that God has done for us, 
to all that Christ has done for us and to this world that God has made, then our care of creation is included within our mission today. Lord of the harvest, hear our prayer for this world that you have made. Forgive us for our failures in messing it up so much and help us to be part of the solution in bringing about a better world for all those whom God has created. So that's a kind of hint to Chris and Jill who are going to come up and lead us in our prayers as they uh, bring us some of the prayers that have particularly been uh, provided through Tear Fund and continue also with our pastoral intercessions in the church here. Thank you, Chris and Jill.